You're listening to a podcast of Master Your Finances with me, Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional. Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. Morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I am Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional located in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached through our website, which is www.cwmi.us. Or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. This week, very pleased to have with us uh, Randy Goldberg of Archer Law Office. And she has been privileged to work and live in Middlesex County her entire life. Uh, She has a a lot of friends that have been all over the country that um, remain close to this day. A mother of two and grandmother of two. She has an associate's degree from Mercer County College in Management worked in the senior healthcare world for more than 18 years, including assisted living as the director of community relations, nursing home and LTC administrative assistant, internal admissions uh, director of marketing, uh, home care, regional director of home care covering Somerset, Middlesex and Ocean counties. At Archer Law, she's a senior resource specialist. She has diverse experience in the healthcare field, has provided her with the skills to help families find um, the care that meets their needs, including placement in facilities or home care. Uh, She's a certified dementia practitioner and trained kidney educator facilitator for Straight Talk and a member of uh, BW Nice. And so uh, I appreciate you coming on today, Randy. I know there's been a lot going on over the last few months, and I know we talk uh, often about, you know, things that we need to do to prepare ourselves, our parents, for uh, you know, when we get older, uh, our needs change, and we need to prepare ourselves, of course, from a legal standpoint, which is what your firm does, getting ready for uh, maybe going into a long-term care facility or assisted living and things like that. And um, but we've we've had some interesting things going on now because um, you know this has had a little bit of different effect. I think during the, the kind of the COVID pandemic, there's been a whole nother. Um, kind of view on this thing. And we've focused on a little bit, the importance of really kind of planning this out. Um, so over the last, you know, few months, wh- what have you guys seen over there as far as, you know, things that have come up, you know, topics that have been arising um, in the long-term care area and the facilities and things like that? What have you guys been seeing over there? An array of things. Um, <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, what happens is I'm a senior resource specialist, which means I am the one who helps our families find what works for them, what suits their needs medically, clinically, socially. It's been a challenge for us to help our clients, although I've been successful in getting all our clients um, the support that they need. During the pandemic, um, nursing homes in the state of New Jersey uh, were required to segregate their clients. And so that's really hard for someone coming out of a hospital and needing to go into a community. So all of the long-term care, so that is the short-term, which is called subacute, and the long-term, which is custodial, they were taking clients who were COVID positive and bringing them into a challenged population. That was really difficult because nursing homes in themselves were not prepared. So when we talk about emergency preparedness, that was probably the memo they didn't get. So we're working on getting them in there. So clinically, I have a good concept 
um, socially, financially, with the team in um, Archer Law Office, we all try and move together at the same time. So those are the challenges. Some of that is easing. So depending on exactly where in the state of New Jersey, um, some of the restrictions are kind of being not eliminated, but reduced. Yeah, I can see this as being quite a challenge initially. And I don't know if you have, you know, through your clients, any experience with this, but I know I think just about how when these things started to happen very quickly, I'm trying to think back three months ago when all this started up, mm-hmm. really none of us really knew what to expect or how to how to really work with this. We really had no idea what this was or how to how to manage it. And of course, you're dealing with people who are already older, who already have other possibly conditions. And of course, just being older in itself is 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 something that you're a little less resistant to anything, whether it's the flu or or this brand new virus that we had out there. We really didn't understand what it was at all right. uh, to any real extent, other than it was very contagious and it's dangerous to a, a certain people that get it. Um, were there some things that you saw people kind of say, hey, we have to kind of do things. I mean, well, let's try these different things. Were the things they started to try to do initially to you know, obviously take care of their residents because you're in these facilities. It's not it's not like those of us at home, like stop going to work, right? So you go home and you stay with your family and there's maybe a couple people in the household and that's it. There you're dealing with a, a much bigger organization where you've got you know several, you've got just the employees, you've got the residents. There's a lot of that dynamics that these happen and, and they need the care. So that had to be very stressful. And so what, what kind of process did they go through and and what types of things did they try uh, when this first started to happen? Do you recall? So there's there's a lot of legs to that. Um, and it also depends on the organization who is more prepared um, and shall we say more influential to get everything done. So following CDC guidelines, because all of these communities do report to the state because they all get surveyed by the state and by Medicare. So in a quick instant, they need to follow the guidelines. And of course, there was confusion there, what the guidelines were and when they were implemented. But it is all these people who are devoted to the, the seniors that they're serving. Because if you work for somebody for years and years, they're now family. You know everything about them. So how do you protect your family? And a lot of the um, caregivers had, previously to COVID, multiple jobs. So a lot of the organizations had to say, you now need to commit to us because this way we can guarantee that there will be no additional risk of contracting any disease outside our building. So that eliminated quite a few of the aides who did have multiple jobs. So Mm. there may have been some staffing changes. Every personnel from the administrator down to housekeeping had multiple jobs. There was no, it's not my job anymore. Everybody had multiple jobs. So this kind of brought the entire um, facility base into kind of a cocoon and couldn't get out because there was no outside services. Um, if hospice was allowed in the building during the, the heat of the pandemic, um, only virtual services could be performed. So virtual evaluations, doctors were not going in no support services from hospice. So it they had to manage and it was, you had to learn on your feet. So administrators, um, I was helping a family and this administrator had just taken over during the pandemic as a new administrator. That was a huge challenge because if you have years of experience, like any job, you kind of, you know your team, you know what they're capable of and you think on your feet. 
um, there was a lot of thinking, a lot of changes. Um, you know, the, the facility itself, just based on the structure, when nursing homes were built years ago, it had nothing to do with um, any pandemic of any type. Communities were housing more and more and more people. Now they realize that maybe there's some things that need to change. So they were devoted to isolation. So companies are, they're losing business as well because they have to isolate people for 14 mm. days. Yeah, that, that must have been difficult because I know as we go to these more modern facilities, they really actually mm -hmm. encourage residents to get out, to socialize. Because that was one of the issues right. I remember reading, you know, hearing about decades ago where one of the problems when you get older is people tend to get isolated. They tend to lose social connections. They tend, totally. you know, not to be active. And that, of course, at, you know, you, you start to decline when you stop being active uh, as a human being and as a social being. And so really, they're trying to get people together. Now you've got you have to try to keep them socially engaged somehow, but now you've got the realization that you have this, uh, the pandemic where um, you, you can't do that quite the way you did before. And, and it's interesting. I didn't realize that they were reducing, really kind of reducing the staff and giving them multiple levels of jobs. So you had less Absolutely. possibility of spreading the virus coming in and out, which was, yeah, that's yeah. really great. I never heard of that. And that's fantastic. So they were thinking about that. One thing I remember just from, um, I lost my aunt during this whole process. And when she was getting to the, the phase of hospice, um, they were doing more on the phone, like the nurse. Yeah. She goes, I would normally Virtual. have been coming every day, but now she came like once a week. The doctor was more on the phone, like the nurse would relay information. And so would my, uh, you know, my cousin, she would talk to the nurse. So there was a lot more family involvement in this particular case because she was still at home. She was not in a facility. But um, it seems to be there's a lot more, uh, I guess we call it telemedicine, right? There's a lot more over the phone type of stuff happening. Is that kind of what was happening in the facilities as well, it sounds like? Absolutely. Um, I want to go back a little bit to the reasons that um, assisted living really came to be was because someone was at home and not being social or they couldn't manage their bills, or their medication was improperly managed. That was the basis of assisted living, that you know people who were young yet old enough to qualify, that dynamic itself has completely changed. Um, right now, um, many of the assisted livings have memory care. So in memory care, um, you know we're trying to isolate people and do room checks. It's very difficult to isolate someone who may have cognitive impairment and don't understand what social distancing, I call it physical distancing. Um, so that's, that's more, so you need staff to accommodate that. Uh, I, I know quite a few buildings and all the residents who understood it all stayed in their apartment. Uh, staff would go in one-to-one, -one, gowned up, masked up with, um, devices, whether it be their personal device or not, to do FaceTime. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things very creative. They've done window visits. So on a good day, you could go and knock on your mother's window, draw on the window. There were plenty of facilities who had all the activities that they would normally do out on the front, and people would mask up and go out when appropriate. Um, the doors are still closed to any visitors. Um, some of them are really allowing you in the lobby and nothing else. So if you need care right now, it is it is challenging. There are ways. So 
I've seen on the media just so many people who were not able to connect, but there are ways to connect. There are FaceTime, any of those social media platforms. It's it, you mentioned on hospice. Hospice is, is a very emotional situation to start with and then sprinkle all the other things that you can't physically hold their hands. It's a very trying time. Um, I had a friend who her father passed away unrelated to the pandemic and rituals indicated that they needed nine and 10 people. They couldn't do that. Um, okay. all, all the shovels, they had to go out and buy it because the funeral home would not supply any of them because you can't cross contaminate. There's so many things that happened, but as the pandemic progressed, they learned more. Wow, that's incredible. I know there's a lot to talk about. We're coming up on a quick break here. You're listening to Master Your Finances. Uh, we will be right back. To Master Your Finances, I'm Kurt Baker here with Randy Goldberg of Archer Law. And we've been talking about the um, how you know the long-term care, elder care situation really is it was reacted or responded, I guess, to uh, this new challenge we've had, which is uh, the pandemic, which I don't recall anything like this ever quite to this degree. And literally you're learning how to do things and solve issues as you go. Right. Because a lot of this, we really didn't know anything. We were just all very nervous about this. And when you multiply that by things like, as you mentioned before the break, Randy, I, the first one that comes to my mind is the people that are in memory care that are, you know, have dementia, Alzheimer's, the cognitive declines, where part of that care is really trying to help them to, you know, integrate and, and manage in a proper way. Cause you really have to approach these people very carefully because sometimes you can traumatize them even when everything's perfect. And when you roll in this whole other thing where, Hey, no, you can't go over and visit your friend or you can't walk <laughs> around the building. Um, we, you know, these things, we, we really can't allow you to do that from a physical perspective when they're there, they may not really understand what all this is. Right. So do you have any thoughts about that? I know that was that had to have been a big challenge. I can just imagine that must have been difficult for some people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Huge challenge. Um, so I'm a certified dementia practitioner, which means that I've been educated and uh, took courses because when you approach someone who has cognitive impairment, depending on what it is, dementia, and there are various different forms of dementia, um, you have to approach them in a different way in a good scenario. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be physically aggressive, um, confused, agitated, and even on a good day may have struggles. So compound that with trying to redirect someone for something they don't understand, they don't know why. So explaining it to them differently. So I actually have a client um, that we talked to and had to just say to mom, you know what, mom, I'm not feeling well today. I can't come see you, which is not alerting them, alarming them to anything else. Mm -hmm. it, usually most of the memory care um, communities are within an assisted living and it's a secure unit. So having them wander around with confusion um, with no contact, it's very difficult. So learning to address those people differently. There are certain communities that are devoted specifically to memory care in our area. And they have to hire people and completely educate them, take certified courses 
to address people with dementia. The only thing that I can say is, you know, someone with dementia doesn't understand it. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but moving forward, it's keeping them safe, um, doing the best you can with the circumstances you have. You are not allowed to restrain someone that is against the law. So whether it be a medical restraint, a physical restraint. So how do you help someone? That is through learning on your feet in this scenario. It may not be too much different, but it's the best they can do. Yeah, I think that's important. I think you pointed out an example um, uh, because you don't want to escalate the situation. If they're getting concerned and upset um, and you gave an explanation that they could understand, right? Because right. you really have to kind of talk on the level that they're going to they're going to be able to respond to. And it's yes. not necessarily exactly correct, but it's something they're going to understand, right? Because you don't want to you don't want to raise their anxiety level or their stress level because they do they may have a limited you know bandwidth in which they're understanding things, right? So you kind of have to kind of talk them down a little bit, right? And kind of reach them on their own language. Are there some tips you want to maybe share that you know how you talk to somebody that has maybe a, a you know cognitive impairment of some kind? Because I think that's kind of important in this situation because we have all these extra stressors and maybe Absolutely. how we approach them and, and help them to kind of manage without making it worse, I guess, right? So if you think about it, communication as a topic in itself. So I, I uh, share this program with a lot of people. Communication in itself has core principles. So when you are um, trained in dementia, uh, keeping in mind that is your cognitive abilities. There may be physical abilities or disabilities as well. Never be controversial with someone who has dementia. It, you will never, so to speak, win the game. Mm -hmm. um, don't contradict them. Just remind them. Um, Always reach a senior at their level physically, whatever their level is. If they're in a wheelchair, eye-to-eye -eye contact, great focus, using words. So people with dementia are not stupid. I remember talking to a young, lady, a young woman, you know, using different words. She goes, look, honey, I'm not stupid. Right. So we forget. So it's like yelling at someone who's deaf. They're never going to hear you. You know, talking Spanish to someone who doesn't speak Spanish. So how do you communicate? Slowly. Visually looking them eye to eye. Make sure that you're not talking so rapidly. Um, jargon. Don't, don't use jargon mm -hmm. in any form of communication. And make sure that it's simple and basic. If mom or dad is going to re relate back and say, you know what? I'm seeing grandma. She came to my room last night. Oh, really? How was she? Mm -hmm. Not, oh, no, you didn't. Because this is the world that they're in. So we need to be in their world. Of course, if there's any kind of safety concerns, we need to, of course, address that. Um, anything in wandering, you want to redirect. Never be physically aggressive. Always with care, support and understanding. Those are just some of the core principles that you want to look at when you're um, dealing with some of dementia. And again, dementia has its different phases. 
So cognitively, they could decline, but physically be out and about. And that's a lot of times why they are secured areas, because their their body and their uh, mind are not connecting. So they're walking out the door, not understanding that there is physical harm that could come to them. So we want to make sure that it's always a way they understand. And again, that could change day to day. Yeah, I think those are all really great tips. I mean, things like like slowing things down because they're still processing the information. Mm-hmm. They just may not be processing it as quickly, right? So there, you you have to kind of allow them time to process and respond. And I like the fact that you bring up that, that they're that they still are and highly intelligent, and mm-hmm. they still understand and they know things and they and it's just this processing capability and kind of helping them to direct and helping them with the way their brain is working and not fighting it, but but flowing with it, right? And, and just going slow and guiding them along the way as opposed to trying to abruptly change their direction. Um, it's much more productive to kind of work with them and guide them around and move them around you know, easily. Um, and that way you don't escalate the situation. So when you had another layer like this, where it's a whole different situation, um, if you do it in an easy, supportive way, you're much more likely to have some success and say, Oh, no, this is the way we have to do it now. Right. You know, patience, they're not, they're, patience, they're patience. Well. <laughs> you need right. to have patience. They say patience is a virtue. Yes. You need to have patience. It takes time. Mm-hmm. Rome wasn't built in a day. That is true. So we, now that we, you know, we have these methods um, to, to work with them. And I know you mentioned some of those in the last segment is ways that the family can still stay connected. I know, <laughs> in this, um, this, this period that we've had, I know a lot of us in business and no matter who we are, we've been kind of almost forced into learning new methods and new things that we didn't necessarily, it was one of those things, oh yeah, it's great. You know, video conference is fine, but I don't really need it because I hardly ever use it. So why bother? Well, nowadays everybody's, I think everybody I know has done some video conferencing in the last three months. It's a business because you've been kind of forced into it. And now I yeah. think at this point, most people are pretty comfortable with it. Like, yeah, I can do that. Have you seen anything, you know, change as far as how families interact and, you know, how the business maybe is being run where people are now maybe a little more comfortable with something they hadn't done in the past and how maybe that's altered the way they might think about it going forward? Like I know in our case was like, I know many business owners that say, well, I may not do every, you know, I found some things actually work better virtually and then, and other things are better in person. And some of those things I may keep, right? It's better for me. It's better for the client. We can do things Mm -hmm. quicker, faster you know, certain aspects of the business and other aspects. No, those are definitely better in person. Have we learned anything as far as that goes um, in this area? I surely hope so. I surely hope so. <laughs> I've been on more Zoom calls and I, I mean, I have Zoom downloaded on my computer and I didn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so that in itself, um, Zoom is usually good for the professionals to use um, to keep connected in the communities. Um, so what I, I didn't put in my bio previously is I had worked for um, a small business who created a device that helps communication for the seniors. So all before this pandemic, now there are various different products out there. And what happens is it is all internet based and it allows the family to virtually connect. Um, A lot of times in assisted living, there are various different family members throughout the states. How do they connect? Sometimes in this particular case where they don't have any visitors, some seniors will be a little bit confused seeing a face on a device, but otherwise it's great 
to hear them and see them. Um, a lot of uh, people are going in gowned up and doing FaceTime. I know that's a brand product, but they're mm -hmm. using virtual connections. Um, there's also, I've been involved in quite a few, um, the nursing homes primarily are doing window visits. Mm -hmm. So as long as this is not a two and a three story building, they, the family can go and have a birthday party, an anniversary, a connection, all on the lawns. Um, as long as everybody remains cognizant of the fact that this still is a pandemic and you can't touch the same things, which their staff who usually does. They're trying to keep their spirits up as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually do a presentation on senior isolation. So there are so many declines that happen before people even think of getting into assisted living. So social interaction is one of them. So that's why they go to these communities. So keeping them all socially interactive, the, the activity staff, the aides in these buildings have risen to the occasion, creative new ways to go door to door or creative new ways to bring topics. So for example, I've done a virtual program in a building mm. that you're learning. These are all tools that can be used. So these little devices that were developed, are really now taking off. Right. So that, that's a great way for communication. Um, I think it's a great way going forward. Oh, so I think that's, that's amazing. Task. Yep. Uh, absolutely. I think that's amazing. Uh, you've been listening to Master Your Finances. Uh, we're going to be right back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker here with Randy Goldberg of Archer Law Office. And we've been talking about how the, uh, the, the long-term care facilities, assisted living and things like that have been really um adjusting to what the rest of us have seen as kind of a, a, a you know a, a slowdown a shutdown whatever you want to call it where we've had to stay at home much more and many of us are, are staying distance for uh, safety reasons health reasons things like that but as we talked about certain groups of people may not necessarily understand this and it may be more difficult if somebody has dementia it's going to be a little bit more difficult you want to encourage uh uh, people that are older to stay socially connected. So, um, but they're also in a higher risk group because of their age and they may have other uh, conditions that they're, that they're dealing with. So from a safety perspective, from a physical side, some of these things are a little more dangerous with a pandemic, but you'd still need to do the social part. And you were describing a lot of great ideas as far as how seniors can stay connected as far as using uh, these video conferencing tools, using I like the window visits and things like that where you can do that. I, I'm just kind of curious, just I think one of the excuses we hear a lot is that, you know, I'm a, I have a, a family member who lives in New Jersey, right? They're in a facility, but then their children are all over the country, maybe Michigan, California, Florida, Tennessee, wherever the case may be. And then you have the one person who's usually nearby. That's usually what I see. You have one yeah. child nearby, the rest of them are all over the country, if not all over the world. Have mm -hmm. you seen any positive things as far as other family members now saying, hey, I guess I can join that Zoom call and maybe we're all going to talk to mom or dad, right? Have you seen anything like that going on? Oh, absolutely. These, these devices um, that are independent devices um, have all of a sudden opened up a world of communication instead of um, if they had a concern, they would call the building. So during this pandemic, every person was involved with patients. So the 
phones. There were a lot of voicemails left and it's really hard to do it all. You're there truly to serve the, the residents. So getting back to people must have been extremely frustrating. So what this does is opens the door to eliminate some of those calls and really get eyes on, eyes on mom or dad and really find out how they're doing. Some people can have this device and some seniors can um, manage it on their own. Otherwise, some uh, staff members would add a little assistance. I wanted to actually add in a little bit. So we're talking about long-term care and we're talking about nursing homes, uh, assisted living, excuse me. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about home care. Right. So there are home care agencies because a lot of the seniors are very concerned about going into a community. And during the height of the pandemic, there were no communities who were open to outside admissions at all. Well, what do you do with the family member now? So home care agencies ha had a little bit of a struggle as well. So there are what we called skilled needs, which uh, requires the attention of an RN or LPN. And then there are non-skilled, which is just your ADL or activity of daily living, showering, dressing, meal preparation, washing machines, things like that. So a lot of agencies had aides who were not willing to go in for hourly care because then they would come and go and come and go. The live-in aides remained in the home of the family which helps secure everybody and keep them protected. So you have to challenge yourself. And th that's kind of what I do is what is the best scenario? It, and I know home care. I've done it for two and a half years. Is that the best? I know the inside, the business end. I know the scheduling end. So is that really a good fit or not? So I'll give you an example. I had a client and dad was combative. He had Lewy body, which is a physical and extremely progressive disease. And the hospital wanted to send him home. He had lived by himself and they suggested home care. My review is, I know if, if he said yes today, he would reject the home care aid once he got home. He would say mm -hmm. yes to get home. So we helped get that gentleman into an assisted living in a memory care um, neighborhood, which was the safest, best choice. Again, that's what we do. Find out what is the safest, best choice. And having communication, whether it be by device, by phone, by email, however they can resource the communication is kind of how we have to work with it. You, you have to work with the tools you have. Yeah, that's interesting. You actually bring up a very important point, which um, I know, even like my 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 father down in Florida. I mean, they they had somebody coming just to like to clean the house occasionally, and they were very concerned for their safety because the person was older. Of course, the per you know my father's older too, so you you have to be safe. And and so literally, they would leave the 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 building for several hours while they cleaned, and then they would come back. In this case, they could. Um, so I can understand that. So if you have a home care person going from different homes. Yep. They must be have to be very, very cautious because, of course, you could literally spread this around to multiple people if you're not careful um, yes. and, and yourself. Right. Because some of these these people might be a little bit older in some cases. They, they might be in a little bit of a risk group themselves, depending on their age and their current situation. So right. I can understand that that had to create a lot of um, strenuous issues when it 
first half. But has any of this improved now that we're kind of getting a better a better feel for like the techniques we can use, just things like social distancing, wearing a mask, you know, just just some of the things that we're kind of, I think we're kind of taking for granted now that we know, because when we first started out, we had no idea what to do, right? We, you know, social distancing didn't even come out for a little while. We were like, oh, oh, we should be standing apart. That's a whole new term that I never knew before this, right? Right. As far as I know, it didn't exist, uh, at least in my vocabulary. Um, And now everybody knows it, right? We all, we all know what that means. You know what? The world has (laughs) changed. um, And yes, we are all learning as we go. So um, the fact that, um, the aides who would go into the homes, don't forget, um, the CDC has said that you could be asymptomatic and be a carrier. So in the facilities, in the long-term care and assisted living, there were aides who would come and go previously. So what I think we've learned from that is no matter what condition, these people can come and go. So most of the facilities said to the aides, you need to choose one facility. This way we can definitely decrease the chances. Mm -hmm. So same thing in home care. They need to choose one. I think learning what some of the safe protocols are moving forward. Moving forward, things that this entire pandemic has changed so many things. I think it actually gave us all a chance to sit back a minute, take a look, reevaluate how we do things and how we can be effective. Um, I think with social distancing, I call it physical distancing because we are social people. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I think it's physical distancing. Right. Um, just keeping apart. If you've seen any of the videos, you know, every bodily fluid that comes out of us can have an effect. So social yeah, you bring distancing up it. is Well, this is, is an interesting point because you say we're, we're learning things. And I, I remember hearing people talk about, hey, all these great things that we're doing this also works for the flu and the flu actually a lot of our seniors actually die from the flu. I mean, it's tens of thousands a year, which barely even barely people even have a conversation about in a normal year, but it's actually a lot of people uh, that we lose just to seasonal flu. And a lot of the things that we're learning now with the pandemic issue really applies year any without it. Right. It, It applies to people who might be at risk of getting the flu. Correct? Or any other things. condition. Right. Any of these other things that might be right. contagious. Right. So um, I, I think it's it's taught us, again, how to step back, evaluate, and look again. Absolutely. Um, you know, seniors usually have comorbidities, hypertension, um, various different conditions, which kind of reduces their resistance. So you're right. The, the, the flu, a common cold, Anything that can be transmitted, this is a great learning tool for us mm-hmm. all to take a step back and reevaluate how we interact. You know, a lot of people, uh, when, you, when you talk to a senior, you're very close. You also have to remember in these communities, when you are very close and you're, as I mentioned, you have to talk eye to eye, now you have to wear a mask. So that is confusing a senior who's already challenged. So... Working together, this is a new learning tool. I, I truly believe it's a learning tool, and taking this and going forward is essential to everyone in the healthcare world and outside because physical distancing just helps things move along. 
Yeah, you actually bring up an interesting point I hadn't thought about until you just said it is that when we're going to a facility, especially if you're dealing with memory care and things like that, has the mask been an issue in any way? Because that's a lot of your communication is nonverbal. Right. And if you have somebody who is maybe having understanding, having trouble understanding you regardless, mm-hmm. adding the fact that you're literally not seeing their facial expressions and their speaking. And I can so, imagine that being a little bit of a challenge for some people, right? Yes. But for example, um, I have a friend who has a hearing impaired child. And so right in the middle of the mask, she put um, plastic. I don't know what the product is plastic so they could see your mouth. So as I mentioned, the communication to a senior is eye to eye, direct to them, let them see your mouth. So that alleviated some of the concerns. It was wonderful to have that. And I'm sure as we go forward, again, we're all learning how to make this happen, is creating different face masks that allow them to see the person. Well, I, I think that's fantastic. I think it's a, it's a great new product that should be out there is having these masks and actually being able to see people speak, especially if you're going into a facility where that would be an advantage or somebody that's hearing impaired. I think it's fantastic. Um, you're listening to Master Your Finances. We're going to be right back. Listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker here with Randy Goldberg of uh, Archer Lofts. And we've been talking about how the elder care facilities have really been adjusting to this in the, the pandemic, so to speak, and what we're learning just from a health perspective in general, a lot of these things that we're learning actually really apply to this at-risk group from a physical perspective, and that applies to the flu as well as other things. Um, and I think you've been seeing some adjustments they make. And I think that great, the one you mentioned right before the break was how the person who had a hearing impaired child, you know, put the little uh, window in there so you could see, you know, read the lips. And, and, I, and I think that might help if you're dealing with somebody who's older, because you, that nonverbal aspect, you're going to lose that if you have if your entire face is covered. Um, so who knows? We may see a product like that. If it doesn't exist already, I think it'd be a great idea to, to have that out there uh, for people in that situation. So going forward, how do you see things changing um, kind of on the, the quote? I hear, I hear this term, the new normal, where we're going to make some adjustments as a society, recognizing kind of what we've all been through and we want to do our best to minimize the effect if something like this comes along, which of course, statistically at some point it will come along, maybe a hundred years from now, or maybe next year, we don't know yet, right? Or it could be the fall, but where, whenever it is, we want to be better um, situated so that we can kind of address these issues a little more proactively, right? We want to be proactive about this um, yeah. as opposed to this time we knew nothing. We were literally reacting every time new information was coming out, right? Yeah, proactive versus reactive, absolutely. Right. So what I found is, um, there are already changes happening. So during the heat of the pandemic, no community was accepting um, any admissions into their building. They already had enough challenges. Home care was challenged, trying to place AIDS in the home. So there were a lot of people who were without care or they were with improper care. Moving forward, I think we've all learned there's a new way to address concerns. So I'm sure that in the nursing homes and the assisted livings, which house uh, quite a number of people, depending on the size of the community, they've learned there are certain protocols that need to be in place. Old school and old methods need to be revamped. We've learned that going forward. 
the the distancing, not packing people into a venue, just making sure that, you know, temperature taking, there's nothing wrong with that. Monitoring people more closely, making sure that the at-risk population can be segregated when that needs to be. Um, the state did require that anyone going into a facility needed to be isolated for 14 days. Um, I just placed a resident who had come from another rehab center, had to test twice for negative COVID, and she just moved into a new community, had to be 14 days isolated. Those are great new rules. It may be inconvenient for the facility, but it makes us rethink what we can do to keep everybody safe. I think, you know, wearing masks more often, not taking liberties with, you know, people who have a bad cold go to work. Not, and you can't do that when you're caring for an at-risk population. So making sure that we have all those protocols in, in place and staffing based on what they can do. There are state regulations. That is a requirement for each of these buildings. But having that clue, having that foresight, this this gives them the history to develop foresight. Mm. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So things have changed a little bit. So um, mm -hmm. I, I think that's a great idea. So now they've kind of figured out ways to better isolate. Because I know I know the facilities I've visited, they really weren't set up to isolate people, right? So I guess they've made some right. adjustments so they can isolate people for a period of time. Um, yes. Have you seen any any changes maybe with I mean, the visitors, right? If I want to go visit my loved one, um, have they made any changes as far as that goes? Um, as far oh, as absolutely. The and coming back out again? Oh, um, the strict restrictions during the height of the pandemic were the front doors were literally locked. Mm. No family member was allowed in. No non-essential care workers were allowed in. Um, they've eased some of it where you were allowed to be on the front porch, you can go to the window, things like that. I think that a lot of us felt that walking into a community, if you, if you have a cold or if you don't know and you have strep throat or people were coming in and out and in and out all day long. And I do mean all day long because there are three different shifts. So I think temperature taking, um, just filling out a questionnaire, questioning people from the beginning, the front door onward. Um, most places are not allowing family to go into the building to visit their family member yet. Mm, okay. We're still recovering. That Most of the communities um, have unfortunately lost a lot of um, family members. So now they're starting to recover, but you don't want to recreate your bad habits. No, I understand that. And I'm just, I'm thinking back, I think, I don't know where I heard that. I think it was the casinos, right? Where, and I don't know, you know, obviously it's not a casino, but, but they were having things like, as you come in, they're taking your temperature, right? They're asking you questions. They're really not letting you in without essentially meeting some minimum requirements. Is that, that's kind of what I'm foreseeing here, right? So if I come, if I want to go visit oh, yeah. my loved one, I'm going to come in, I'm, I'm envisioning they're probably going to take my temperature. They're probably going to ask me if I have any of these conditions, right? That might mm -hmm. be dangerous to the facility. Right. Um, so that might be a new a new process as as far as coming into the building, right? And that's probably good for everybody, even Agreed. if I just had the flu or something other or a cold, right? That's still Absolutely. not good to spread. Absolutely, I think it, it 
using your term, the new norm. Mm. Um, I think it's a great way to make sure that the at-risk population, which we are now finding more than ever is at risk, that we're protecting them at every level. So having that, we've already, all the facilities have already ordered all the equipment. So making sure that they're well um, educated, the reasons why we're doing this and having families understand that we're here, all the communities are there to protect and care for. And although it can be very emotional when you can't get there, every one of them always had a sign that says, if you have cold or flu symptoms, don't come in. A lot Mm -hmm. of people ignored it. Now they realize the importance of not ignoring any of your condition because it can be like wildfire. And I'm assuming that's also going to apply to the employees, right? Where they probably are going to be a little more strict and monitoring. As you pointed out before, I know, and I remember my, my wife used to get upset about this. Like somebody come to work when she was working and like, why are you coming to work when you're literally can hardly sit up at your desk? I mean, yeah. they, they, they definitely should be home in bed. Um, right. And like, now you're going to give it to me. And I'm going to go home and get it to my kids. I'm gonna, I mean, you're going to spread it all through my whole family. And, and that was when she was younger and healthier and no big deal. Right. And that, you know, quote unquote, as big a deal. Well, that's a, is a big deal, especially when dealing with a more vulnerable population um, we really shouldn't be kind of pushing through because the employer would not be necessarily, and in the other side of it, the employer would not necessarily be empathetic. Oh, well, you're fine. You should come in anyway. You just have the sniffles, no big deal. Come in and get your job done, right? So maybe they'll let them work from home. I, I'm just trying to envision how, yeah. uh, you know, just I know society is being more lenient about this, which is smarter, actually. Um, and I would suspect that the facilities are going to be more focused on uh, employee health, right? As well yeah. as how it integrates in with the the residents of the facility. I used to hear from people, I don't want to call out sick. I want to save that for vacation time. Right. <laughs> so and, and what I've learned is also um, being out in the communities. So of course the, the population are in, in facilities. So what about the rest of us who are out in the community? out going to Home Depot and ShopRite and, and all these other facilities. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion on um, how to protect yourself, um, whether it be the mask, the gloves. And I think that there needs to be a level of education. Yes, we all get to make those choices, but I think there just needs to be a little consistent education on when to, when not to, why to um, do this because the communities, and we're building new assisted livings. I can count four of them that I know of. So I think they are great ways to protect our seniors. These are educated, trained, experienced staff members who are there to protect these people as opposed to at home where you just don't know if you're doing it right or wrong. Right. And I think that's important. I think we're all going to learn lessons from this. And I know you know, many people want to stay as home as long as they can. So all of these things we're learning should, as you said, the home health, health aides, uh, the family members, all these people should really be paying attention to these, to these rules as they come out. And it sounds like they're still kind of developing them on the, uh, yeah. the facility level, but at some point they will start once they feel comfortable, I guess they'll start allowing, um, you know, actual physical visits and things like that, but it's going to take some time. It sounds like. Yeah, it, it will take some time. I'm in communication with these uh, communities all the time, every day, mm-hmm. uh, finding out what their struggles are. Um, I run a networking group for Middlesex and Somerset County. So we talk about the struggles that are specific up there. 
And yes, there are a lot of struggles because it, when you have people caring for people, it is more emotion. So we, they have family members calling all the time. They have to have a plan. So when the pandemic came, they had to develop a plan because there was nothing in place. Mm -hmm. So now they're going to have a plan. And how can they do that effectively, smart, emotionally, with protecting everybody involved? Yeah, that's been incredible. Um, and any last thoughts before we break out of here? Because you've done a great job kind of walking us through this. Um, I know a lot of positive things are happening throughout this process, even though it's been very stressful for all of us. I think we're learning a lot. And ultimately, I think it's going to be a good thing. I hate to say that, but I think we're going to learn some things for this at long term. I Absolutely. think you're going to benefit us. Um, and I appreciate you coming on. Anything else you want to say before we go? Stay healthy, stay safe, be smart. Oh, thanks again. We appreciate it, Randy. Uh, you've been listening to Master Your Finances. I can be reached at 609-716-4700. Or you can listen to this podcast or any of the podcasts by going to masteryourfinances.us. Remember, together we can master your finances so you can enjoy financial peace of mind.